This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women and addiction. Welcome back to another episode of the Worth Recovery Podcast. I'm Amy. I'm your host here. I'm a sex addict and I've been sober since December 2nd of 2012. Um, I'm excited to bring, uh, have a guest here with me, uh, Crystal Garcia. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you. We've had Crystal on before. She was on uh, just not too long ago and was able to share her story with us in our Women's uh, Story Series, which was amazing. Thank you for that again. And during that episode, I promised you uh, that I would bring her back for an episode about the BDSM culture and exactly her kind of involvement in that and how she views that and and the different issues that go around uh, BDSM. And I wanted to do this episode because I have a lot of you that ask me, that call me and ask me about BDSM and can I still do it if I'm sober? Is it, you know, do I have to get rid of it? Is it a healthy culture? Is it not? Is it hurting me? Like, what is it? And while I have my thoughts and theories and opinions, I've never been directly involved in, in that BD, in the BDSM um, space. And so I wanted to bring someone who is a little bit more of an expert than myself and talk to you about some of the issues and concerns and um, just things that go on during, um, with the BDSM space and the area there. So that's why we have Crystal here today. And thanks again for being here and being willing to share your, your experiences. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. So I, I'm also just going to start with, um, Crystal has some really great videos and blog posts on her website, and we will link to that in the show notes. So you can get on and kind of listen to her talk a lot more in detail about her experiences and what's gone on. But today we want to, we want to just talk a little bit about what it is. So, and, and her experiences and some of the concerns and issues. So I'm going to kind of just let you start here and tell us a little bit about maybe just definitions. While some of our listeners may be very um, familiar with this space, some might not. So would you be willing to just kind of give us a, a definition? What sure. is what is BDSM and what does that look like? Yeah. Okay. So BDSM stands for, the B stands for bondage. The D stands for, it's usually DS, dominance, submission. And S stands for sadism and M stands for masochism. So bondage is anything where someone is being tied or restricted, whether it's with handcuffs, whether it's with um, rope, which is usually it's either handcuffs or rope most people use, but any type of binding and in order to restrict and limit someone's movement. DS is domination, submission. And so domination, a, a dominator, dominatrix or dom is the person who is in charge of the so-called session. That's the person who is dominating. And mm -hmm. the submissive is the person who is usually the one who is not dominating, though there are submissives who can top from the bottom and we can go into that another time. But um, <laughs> then there's the sadism, which is the getting off, like becoming sexually aroused by hurting someone else, whether it's physically, mm. emotionally, financially, there's, there's a long list. And masochism is someone who is sexually, you know, being sexually aroused by being hurt and humiliated, hurt and or humiliated. A lot of people think, oh, well, if, if no pain's involved, then it has nothing to do with BDSM, if no physical pain. But there's also psychological and emotional pain, and that does count towards it as well. Now, the motto of BDSM is safe, sane, and consensual. However, that is a gaslighting tactic, as there is nothing safe nor sane uh, about BDSM, and you cannot consent to abuse. Hmm. So in your mind, 
and in and not just in your mind. I shouldn't have started that way. Hang on. I'm going <laughs> to cut that out. So your paradigm into BDSM is that it is abuse. Yes. That it's all abusive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I was a dominatrix professionally and personally for 13 years. So I did it both for uh, an, uh, for income and I also did it in my personal life. So yeah. I have those sides to it. I also experienced it both as a dom and a submissive and also what is called a switch. A switch is someone who identifies as both dom and submissive. So I experienced that whole, all of it. And I also have dove deep into it in ways that most people had not. I tried to explore it to see if it had a spiritual value to it. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, I remember experiencing a trance-like experience and I, I attributed that to BDSM. But the reality is anything rhythmic that you do, you can enter a trance-like state. It does not mean that BDSM is spiritual or is a healthy way to enter that state. Uh, you can mm-hmm. also enter that state out of, um, not, not trance itself, but you can enter a state of shock that might feel like that too. So mm. there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that are incorrectly attributed to BDSM when people try to sell it as spiritual. I was about to create a school on it. I had already begun writing the courses of it. And was putting the different, yeah, I was putting the different sections. I had courses for the doms. I had courses for the submissives. I was going to be working with switches. I had already calculated what my classroom quote unquote was going to look like. And so I was delving deep into it in ways that most people have not. And so I used to uh, spout the rhetoric, if it's not abuse, it's not BDSM. But as I dove deep into creating these courses and into exploring what it would look like to create a school, and as I tried to find the line that separated BDSM with abuse, I get very clear that there was no line. Hmm. And that's when I was done. Wow. I bet that was a difficult realization. It was. It was very intense. And it still took me many years after I decided to personally stop BDSM to actually completely stop supporting it altogether and to get to the realization of all across the board, there was just, it was abuse and to actually really live it. Because even when I first had the awareness, there was still, it still took me time to be like, okay, there is no delineation there. It's, it's all the same. But I still was supporting it and still thinking, oh, well, maybe, maybe this or maybe some people could do it. And and so it took me years to finally, finally realize, no, there's no way around it. BDSM is abuse straight across the board, period. There's no such thing as a little bit of BDSM. And it Mm. always escalates. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. So take us back a little bit about how did you get involved in BDSM? So I grew up with a very abusive childhood and I was molested at the age of eight. So my experience Mm -hmm. with sexuality and my experience with the world was one that was already warped. And so I had already normalized abuse. And to me, Mm -hmm. my, my relationships were all abusive, even my romantic relationships or sexual relationships. They were all, it was just nothing was healthy. And to me, that was the norm. So it's, it's pretty easily like seen that I would gravitate towards something that is abusive and under, I still believe that I was being empowered. I was sexually empowered, or I was the one who was doing things. Therefore I was gaining some sort of control and all of these delusional ideas that I was somehow rectifying my abusive past by being abusive. I don't know. Mm. So a lot of it wasn't conscious, of course, at that time. And I still believed myself to be benevolent, the benevolent Dom at some point. I was very clear as I went down later in the years of being a dominatrix, I was like, oh, wow, I was, I considered myself pretty brutal early on. But then I was like, oh, but I am now the benevolent dominatrix. Not, I didn't use those words, but it was kind of how I saw myself. And I found myself infuriated by uh, the abusive Doms and how these people were pretending to be Doms and hurting people. So I still had this mentality that I was doing something right, that I was 
being caring of people, which is the biggest self lie there was. You know, it just took so long to really get honest with myself. And when I finally did, it was it was very intense to face who I was being and who I allowed others to be in my life and who I was exploited by. So yeah, it was, it was yeah, very intense. Yeah, I I know um, a lot of trauma uh, therapists or survivors who use the the phrase "what fires together wires together," mm-hmm. meaning like <clears throat> when I experience abuse as a child, and maybe there was pain involved, or maybe there was humiliation involved, or secrecy, or a variety of things, and that got mixed up with my sexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they, they fired together at the same time because of the abuse that I was experiencing. And then sometimes most of the time they wire together, meaning that I experience one with the other almost simultaneously. Right. Is that, is that a good way to maybe describe some of the experiences that, uh, BDSM brings to people? Oh, absolutely. Because if it's familiar, then, you know, it seems to make quote unquote sense, or it seems mm-hmm. to have some kind of logical draw. Also, they, the the um, the rule structure of BDSM and the um, seemingly, and I say rule structure very loosely because it doesn't freaking matter, it's all abuse, but the loosely black and white seeming, it also pulled people who their thought patterns were already like that. Um, I had a couple of oh. friends who were, uh, who found out later they were autistic and on the spectrum as well. Mm-hmm. And so their way of viewing things, uh, someone who, someone could easily enroll them into BDSM because of the way they viewed mm-hmm. things and create some kind of a logic type of explanation that made quote unquote sense. So yeah. there's also that aspect as well, which horrified me to find out later that that, you know, that that was going on. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot of any, anyone who experiences addiction in general, any form of addiction, I think very much lives in that black and white world. It's so it yeah. can be so much easier, right? Like mm-hmm. to just have a right and a wrong and not really have to deal with anything in between, right. um, yeah, the you know, which is not. Yeah, the extremes, which is just not reality. And so that kind of rule structure um, can be very enticing for people who need that kind of extreme safety of, you know, black and white thinking. Right. Right. And that's what pulls people in is the illusion or the fan, like you said, it's not in reality. So we're talking about fantasy land. Um, So Mm -hmm. all of the languaging of BDSM is to create the false illusion of safety safe, sane, and consensual, massive gaslighting, you know, so people think that they're going to be experiencing the extremes and like, oh, it's just like, you know, I get to go on a roller coaster and I'll be safe and everything will be okay. And I'm experiencing uh, the terror of falling, but be safe and contained. But that's not, that's not Mm -hmm. what BDSM is. BDSM is a massive list of gaslighting. I mean, it's very, you know, you got to think in order to be able to persuade people into uh, this type of a seemingly lifestyle, there's a lot of charisma and great conversation and a lot of excellent linguistics. Mm. So I, yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say like, I, one of the things that you said on your video that I loved was you said a dominatrix possesses a skill set to break down a human being. Yeah. And I think that's like what you're starting to talk about. So tell us a little bit more about what you meant by that. Yeah, absolutely. So the skill set needed. Okay. So a lot of people think of BDSM as something that is predominantly physical. And while yes, it is, but actually the reality is BDSM is predominantly psychological. So in order to create, in order to create a language that invites people into being, uh, being treated and, and, uh, exposed to a sadist, because if we, we look at that word sadist, sad, uh, as someone who is sadistic, someone who is getting sexual pleasure off of hurting another, we know that if we just take that word alone, there is something off there. Mm-hmm. Something is not okay. What does it take for a human being to get off sexually on hurting another human being? 
So to enroll people into allowing themselves to put to put themselves in the hands of a sadist, there has to be an incredible amount of mind bending, gaslighting, enrollment, and a lot of, you know, there's, there's casual shaming tactics as well. So one of the terms in BDSM is called vanilla. And it's one of the most cringiest terms to me at this point in my life, because the only reason the word vanilla exists in the BDSM world is to describe people who do not do BDSM. So Mm. it's a very, but it's both overt and covert shaming because some people use it like, oh, vanilla, like, oh, I'm just describing. No, actually, it's a way to shame anything that is not sexual violence, the sexual violence that is BDSM. So Mm -hmm. if people are not into sexualized violence then their sex life is vanilla and it's a, it's, it minute, it tries to minimize sexual health, which is very dangerous. So if we start with the, you know, the language that anything that isn't sexualized violence is vanilla and therefore boring and therefore not worthy, that in itself already sets up If you desire sexual health, there is something wrong with you. So that's, yeah, that word itself, where people like casually turn around, throw it around, I very adamantly not a fan of that word because it is such, it's, it's such an intense shaming tactic and it's done so casually that the Mm -hmm. gravity of it is often missed. Mm -hmm. So That is that, you know, the wording is very, very big. So safe, sane, and consensual, as I've mentioned a couple of times, and I really want to break that down because BDSM uses it as a motto and to kind of silence people like, well, if safe, sane, and consensual, if it's not safe, sane, and consensual, then it's not BDSM. Gaslighting. Okay. There is nothing safe about putting yourself in the hands of a sadist or a masochist, because often, as I spoke about a little bit earlier, was um, submissives who are, you know, dominate from the bottom is what it's called, Mm -hmm. topping from the bottom. So what that means is a submissive who demands that they be uh, dominated a certain way, and they actually take control of the person. So while we know, we know very well that a dom can enroll someone. But what is also important to recognize is that a submissive can enroll someone too. And this has, this has been going on as well. So a person, let's say, say you have a couple, you know, and Mm -hmm. this is, you know, someone actually shared a little bit about this, but say you have a woman who's a submissive and she's speaking to a man and she's telling him, I want you to do X, Y, and Z to me in regards to BDSM. He's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. He doesn't, feel good about this. He doesn't want to hurt her. Say she, she goes into, then you do not support my sexuality. You're vanilla. I, you, you don't care about me. You, you are trying to stifle my sexuality. What can happen is the enrollment then from a submissive to ask a person, whether it's male or female, whatever, or transgender, it doesn't matter the gender, but to tell that person, if you do not harm me, you don't love me. If you don't want to do this in the bedroom with me, then you don't really care about my sexuality. So there's both the sadist and the masochist use these tactics and can use these tactics to enroll other people into the BDSM paradigm. And so slowly that person, even if they're resistant to it, the gaslighting and the inter, you know, the fact that BDSM has entwined itself in the so-called sex, you know, sex positive conversation and made itself a part of that has really confused a lot of people. So now when people say, oh, well, I'm kink positive, quote unquote, which to me, mm-hmm. let's just call it what it is. It's not kink positive. It's abuse friendly. Okay. Um, so mm-hmm. when people say they're kink positive or when people say, oh, but this is my sexuality, People, you know, a lot of people are starting to become confused because they want to be sex positive. They want to support people's sexual health. And so it BDSM starts to muck up the waters and then consent goes out the window, whether it's from 
Adam are submissive. And like I've said before, you cannot consent to abuse. So even if someone comes up to you and says, hey, can I smack you? And I really, really want to smack you. And then you're just like, what are you talking about? But if they keep talking to you this way, or if they sweet talk it, and like, oh, but you know, it could be a new experience and you'll feel so empowered. If you say yes, first of all, it's coercion, of course, but it, you cannot say yes to that. You cannot, it, you cannot consent to someone wanting to hit you. That's, it just can't be consensual. So BDSM becomes a very dangerous conversation when it interjects, when it, you know, injects itself into the, the sex positive conversation. Because then what happens is when I speak up or when anyone speaks up to BDSM and calls it out like, hey, this is abusive, then that person gets shut down and saying, well, you're not sex positive which is mm -hmm. absolutely horrifying because to me, sex positivity is about sexual health and sexual celebration and sexual freedom. BDSM is abuse and sexualized violence. That is not sex positivity at all. Right. I love, again, I've watched several of your videos, so I'm like quoting you back to yourself, but like, I love that you spend a lot of time talking about how sexual health and sexuality has to be a co-creation process mm -hmm. and not this dominant, dominant, um, <laughs> and not this dominating or submissive, um, experience, right. But this co-creation process and mm -hmm. and that's what sex positivity is and that's a hundred percent what i believe like yeah. it has to be a co-creative process yeah. not this you know abuse situation um i loved what you said just about like you cannot consent to abuse yeah. i i think that i mean that's definitely applicable in this area but i talk to so many abuse survivors mm -hmm. who say like well i didn't stop it or i didn't say no or i i didn't you know, I should have, I should have kicked him or I should have kicked her or whatever the situation was. And, and they feel like they consented to what happened to them. Um, when, you know, when in reality they didn't, or they might, you know, have an experience where like, well, they said they would hurt someone else if I didn't do this. And so I consented to this abuse. So I can't be a victim or I can't be mad at someone else, or I can't be, you know, upset about what happened to me because I consented to it. And I just love this, this paradigm that you cannot consent to abuse, even if you're coerced into it, even if you're threatened, like it's not a consenting, it's not something you can consent to. Yeah. That's the nature of the definition of abuse. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and that's the problem with BDSM is it starts to really uh, mess with the waters and, and uh, muck up the conversation of consent. Because mm -hmm. if you tell people, well, they said yes, and they want, and I, and I tell you, this happens all the time. When I started to speak up about this, and uh, when I first began, a lot of people, well, didn't you want to be there? What are you talking about? Yeah, you know, and and so it's there's already an ingrained conversation to shut down BDSM abuse victims and survivors, because there is a a, a social conversation of, oh, well. They just wanted to be there. There's there's actual cases that often get thrown out where people are killed in BDSM because, oh, well, they were in the scene. Mm. So there is a massive, massive, uh, just really warped sense of, of, of consent and the reality mm. of it that BDSM brings to the court. And that, and literally to the court, and that's extremely problematic. You know, a, a lot of times people think, you know, and often I think what people are trying to emulate when it comes to BDSM is uh, this, the heart-centeredness and the sovereignty. You know, like when people try to pretend confidence, you know, and mm -hmm. it turns into bravado. Well, to me, that's the same experience with BDSM. People trying to pretend, you know, okay, I want to access this, this experience that I don't know what it is. And for me personally, it was getting connected to my own sovereignty, getting to connected to my own power. Uh, but that is misconstrued in BDSM. I, I believe often people come into BDSM trying to find that, uh, whether they're a dom or whether they're a submissive, you know, 
doms, I think, go in trying to find their own power and submissives may often come in trying to find how to let go in the world. But the reality is this, it's, it's a, a warped view of it because you cannot learn your own power in BDSM and you can't let go in BDSM. So it's like this very, it's like looking in a funhouse mirror and trying to see what you look like. Hmm. All that distortion and yeah. all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes we interpret that in different ways that it's not meant to be interpreted. Exactly. Yeah. So tell, so you were in BDSM for 13 years. Mm -hmm. You were at the point where you were going to put this uh, school together and teach others how to do this type of work. Yeah. And in that process came to some hard realizations about what was going on. Yes. And so, and it still, like you said, took you years to kind of get all the way out of it. Mm -hmm. What did that process look like? How did you, I mean, I'd imagine like if you spent 13 years on something and then realized, wait, this isn't what I thought it was, that in itself would be a really kind of difficult process, like traumatic to kind of realize that what you were doing was not what you thought it was. Yes. And so that, and then how, what was your journey out like? Tell us about that. Yeah. So it was... I had already started to pull slightly away, even when I was in, I wanted to make things look the way I wanted to make it look. However, yeah, the realization was, I think the the best word to, that you said is, was traumatic. It was very intense Mm -hmm. because I had to look at myself in ways that I did not expect to look at myself. I mean, I knew I wasn't a saint, but I had no idea just, I mean, I really had to sit with the harm that I created in people's lives, even though I was unconscious of it. And also the impact, you know, um, because I, I had left the, uh, yeah, just, I had left everything. And so the impact of it, I spent years, I spent a good, I spent a good seven years actually. Uh, and it's not necessary to spend that long at all, but I didn't have any guidance out of this. I never knew a Dom who had left BDSM and was mm-hmm. clear that BDSM was abuse. I've just, I have yet to meet one. If you, again, if you know one, send them my way, but I have not met one. So I was going to ask you that. So yeah. you're, you're pretty alone in this process. Yeah. So I didn't have anybody to guide me through. So I didn't know what this looked like or how to, because any other Dom I spoke to was very entrenched in it. And I didn't know any doms that left that didn't support it still. So I didn't know how to get through this. So I actually spent seven years self-flagellating over it. I can tell you seven years was not necessary, but again, I didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, And I had no idea how to work this. Um, So it it did look like uh, an intense crash. Like I crashed when I realized the, you know, what I was really doing and who I was really being in it. It was so devastating to be with that it took me, it took me seven years to finally come out of, come out of the self-flagellation and feeling like, oh my God, what have I done? And, Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until I came out of that, that I started to realize, oh my God, what was done to me? Um, so it took me a long time to process who I was being. And it wasn't until I processed that, that I got really aware of what was done to me as well. Mm. I'm just sitting with the heaviness of that. I mean, that's, that's painful. Yeah. Right. To, to really realize I was abusing other people in the name of sexual empowerment, in the name of sex positivity in the name of sexual wellness, what we might consider that. Yeah. And then realize that that was, you know, the, the pain that you might've caused others. And then also, like you said, at some point in time to flip that a little bit and realize the abuse that had happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was really intense because I mean, uh, nobody ever wants to see, you know, their own shadow. Nobody ever wants to acknowledge when they're the bad guy, you know? And I I say that loosely, Mm -hmm. I'm not like, you know, 
that black or white about it. But I, I, I do realize that for me, that's who I was being. I was being the bad guy. I was being the person that I never, ever wanted to be in my life. And I had to acknowledge that and be honest with myself. And I was like, wow, that is not how I viewed myself. And um, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't until I got really clear and honest with myself that I could really start to just be super clear, like, okay, this is abuse. Why are, why are we having this conversation? Why are people being enrolled in this? And why is it that when people speak up about this, well, I, I knew why, because I, I knew that uh, the BDSM community had, you know, it has this very intense gaslighting system that anybody who speaks up, like say, you know, like, you know, when you, you when you shared in the opening here, you're like, I haven't been in that world. And, you know, uh, it's unfortunate because BDSM has left people feeling that because you haven't been in BDSM, you can't acknowledge the reality of what it is. Um, So to me, it's really important that people do trust themselves and, you know, do acknowledge the reality. It's okay to acknowledge the reality that BDSM is abuse and not having been in it. That's totally healthy and completely normal. And uh, the BDSM community has created all sorts of walls and, and, uh, justifications to leave people feeling like, oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You just, you just Mm -hmm. haven't experienced it. Well, I have, and I've, I've experienced it in ways that most people in BDSM have not. And I've been in it in longer than most people in BDSM have. So I want to make sure that people know that, yes, I have the experience and also trust your gut. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's totally fine to say no to something and to speak up to something and say, this is not okay. Uh, and there are a lot of factors in place that want to keep people silent from speaking up to the reality of what BDSM is about. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I do believe, I 100% actually believe that it's abuse. Yeah. I, I do feel hesitant to say that because- I have not been in there, right? And right. and have not experienced that, but I I do believe it's abuse and the women that I have worked with that have experienced that um and been in that scene and in that world for limited amounts of time um co- all have all come to the realization of yeah. the abuse that is going on. Yeah. Um and and so I appreciate that I'm going to be more vocal because of what you just said. I I do believe that 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 is abuse, and we need to call it what it is. Yeah, and you have every right to be. You have every right to be, and 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 that's something I really want to bring to people: is do not let your voice be shut down by the you know the gaslighting tactics of BDSM and the BDSM community. Mm-hmm. You have every right to say no. You have every right to acknowledge that this is abuse because it is. And and the thing is too, and it's been very interesting is because a lot of the, the people who come to me, the abuse survivors and victims usually come to me privately because they're terrified of speaking up. They Mm -hmm. know that if they speak up, they will be met with a big shut up from the BDSM community. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty terrifying. I mean, there are, yeah, it's pretty crazy what people get away with. And um Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. It's yeah, it's pretty intense. <laughs> right. I I would imagine um you know similar to some of the old school mafia or gangster type movies that we have that you don't get out, right? Yeah. Like you don't get you don't get out of those things unscathed. And because of what's going on inside the abuse and and they don't want that exposed. Right. And so for you to leave and then to say like, this is, this is what it is. That's exposure. And they're not going to tolerate that very well. Yeah, absolutely. And people who do come forward are often, you know, discredited or tried to be shut down or, oh, okay, I understand you're just saying what you need to say, but that's not really, you know, it's always, it's always met with the but. Um, right. But often, like, you know, even within the BDSM community would be like, will you be the first ones to say, that's what you wanted to do. You consented, you know, and I'm sorry, it sounds a little bit too much like she asked for it. And yeah, right. And yeah, I, I find that very, very terrifying. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on your way out, there was a couple things I know that you struggled with and I just want to highlight, um, for our listeners here is, and you mentioned it earlier, like the term kink friendly, Uh um, there are a lot of therapists out there. There are a lot of organizations out there that will say things like, you know, we're, we're kink friendly. And I remember you telling me at one point in time, like that just felt like a punch in the gut. Yeah. So tell me, tell me about your experience. Like why, why is that such a, um, abusive term to you at this point? Yeah. I find it so repulsive. It makes me want to vomit every time I hear it. And it's, it's just like, I stand by your abuser. That's what I hear when I hear King friendly Mm. as a BDSM abuse victim and survivor and someone who was also on the other end of it. I find it horrifying that one that I could, I could have continued. No one would have stopped me. I could have continued as a dom. I could have hurt people really badly. Like I could have continued down this path and I would have been supported I would have been enabled Mm -hmm. to do that. So when you say kink friendly, you know, when they say kink friendly, not you, but when, you know, when I hear them say kink friendly, when I hear, especially therapists, oh my God, when I hear therapists say kink friendly, I'm like, okay, not only are you supporting, you're you're supporting the abuser, but you're also enabling the abuser. So it's, it's very troubling to me because if I had not somehow pulled myself out of this, it, it would have it would have kept happening, and so in everybody who calls themselves a dom or a dominatrix, you know every time that word kink friendly or kink positive is thrown around, uh, it's it keeps adding to the entitlement to continue the abuse. We just need to say that one more time because I think that what you just said is incredibly powerful. When we say things like kink friendly for instance like you had been to a therapist and no one was telling you that you needed to leave bdsm or that your work as a dom was not abusive right they were saying like you know this is you're not hurting anyone this is consensual right and and yet you knew and you know now because of the therapy and the work that you've done that you were abused and you like, it's that phrase, like hurt people, hurt people, right? Like if I'm, if I'm hurt in some way, if I've had some trauma, then I'm, I, a lot of times hurt other people as a way to try to figure that out. So when we use the word kink friendly, we're enabling that abuse to continue. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And the incident that I had with a therapist um, who was very, I, you know, I, I used to be in the so-called sex industry, AKA sex trafficking as a stripper and, and uh, a prostitute. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was trying to share, I was finally in a place to share my trauma and he just kept being like, are you sure? Are you sure you didn't want to be there? Cause I know a lot of prostitutes are very, or he called them escorts, whatever. Escorts is another word for being pimped. It's just ridiculous. Uh, so yep. he's like, I know a lot of escorts who are very happy. And I'm like, no, I was not. I'm telling you I wasn't. I'm telling you I didn't like it. Why are you trying to tell me that I ask me if I just really didn't think about it? I, I don't know. Uh, and then when I finally came forward, and was sharing about my BDSM abuse and I shared some of it. And that was very difficult for me because it was my first time actually acknowledging what had happened to me. Mm-hmm. Crossed his arms and he looked at me and he said very, you know, as a matter of fact, he's like, well, I fully support BDSM. Mm. And so that sent me into a PTSD trigger for three days. And I finally was like, okay, I obviously can't return to the person. And I told them that I was not going to be returning and they didn't understand why. Wow. Yeah. It's very, it's problematic because it's so ingrained and people feel so entitled. Like it's the same thing. Like, okay, we're talking about trauma. If I, if I were to go to a therapist and say I was raped and the, and the therapist just sits there and cross her arms and say, well, I fully support rapists. What? Mm. You know, it's, right. it's, you know, it's the same experience. And so it was, it was really, really troubling. And when I tried to find another therapist, I, I now have an incredible therapist. I adore her. She's amazing. Um, but it took me a while to find her. I had to, you know, I was calling around. I spoke to, an, uh, now the per, the therapist that I had was supposedly uh, versed in sex addiction. 
And mm. so I called a, a sex therapist who is supposed another sex therapist who is supposedly uh, versed in sex addiction. Well, as research, I saw several people that said kink friendly and I was like, yeah, no, absolutely not. Uh, and so when I spoke to this person, told them the, what had happened, they proceeded to tell me, I don't know why they felt so pulled to tell me this, but they proceeded to tell me, oh, well, I fully support BDSM, but I'm fascinated. I would be fascinated to hear what you have to say. Hear what I have to say. I don't need you to be fascinated by me. I need a therapist who understands the trauma. And I just told you I was traumatized by another therapist who told me they supported BDSM and you still felt you, the need to tell right. me the same thing. Right. So that opened my eyes a lot. And I was like, wow, this is, this is really horrifying. So, I mean, there's no, how can a BDSM abuse survivor feel safe when a therapist is saying, I support BDSM? Mm -hmm. There's no, there was no reason to say that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's problematic to say the yeah. least. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Dangerous. For I mean, sure. it's like running away from the fire and someone's like, nah, you can go back to the fire. It's okay. And right. some people don't survive BDSM. And I really want to, I really want to, uh, really want to impress that because I think a, a lot of people don't understand that this is a very deadly practice. And anything can go wrong quickly. Mm -hmm. You have someone who's gagged, you have someone who's bound, and you have someone who their eyes are covered. You can't see anything. That person could pass out. That person could have a heart attack. And a lot of people think they know what they're dealing with when they go into BDSM. Oh, I'm just going to explore. You have no idea the dynamics that you're playing with. There have been studies, actual studies on this. Uh, I think people know about this pretty, it's an, it's an old study, but pretty famous study about the prisoners and the guards. I don't know if you, I think mm -hmm. uh, like that study where they, they made just casual people that, you know, gave them the title of prisoner and guards and how that went okay. completely awry. Oh, right, right. Uh -huh. It was yeah. a psychological study yeah. right, about power abuse. Yeah, that's BDSM. Right. And a lot of people right. don't make the correlation and they don't understand what they're dealing with. A human being who is given power over a human being, which first of all is not a natural state, uh, but is given power over a human being, it's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's very dangerous. And people think they know people. I, and I, 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 I tell people this. I'm like, you don't know who that person is. You know who that person is in a normal, healthy setting. You don't know who that person is when you're bound and gagged. That it cannot be the same person. You don't know who that person is going to turn into. Right. You have no idea. People... You see people all the time when they have a little bit of power. You know, you go to you go to certain places, and you know, I don't know. You go, you 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 meet a manager at a at I don't know wherever, and suddenly they have a little bit of power, and how their uh, their whole being changes. Mm -hmm. Magnify that by like I don't know mm -hmm. something astronomical, and you get BDSM. Because now, not only is this person in power over somebody, but the, the person who they're in power over is incapacitated. So there's no way for that person to fight back. There's no way for that person to get away. All of a sudden, you find a dynamic there that's it's, it's not even about power. It's about destruction. And it's about harm. And it's an unhealthy power. You know, the, the power that I think most people are seeking are the, is the power within, the sovereignty, connection to our own power within, a healthy connection to, to our health. The power in BDSM, that's not what that is. Domination, right, it's power over other people. Yeah, domination is not a healthy connection with sovereign power. Mm. That cup, you know, you, you're... Domination turns a, a human being into a deity, pretty much. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's the closest thing as pretending a person is a god. And I don't know if anyone else has watched history, but that's extremely dangerous. <laughs> you know, like, I was just, I was, as, as soon as you said that, I was like, 
oh, like I can think of a lot of governments and powers, yes. like leaders throughout the years where that did not go well. Yeah, it's it's based on dictatorship, except there's a bunch of dictators. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when, when people tell me, oh, but I really know about, I really know and I love this person. I've known them my whole life. You do not know who they are when they have power over you. And even if it does not, it does not change the first time or the second time or the third time, when that person starts to get used to power over, that's intoxicating. It's an intoxicating power. And I think it's why it's very difficult for a lot of people to leave. Well, and those types of leaders in history don't get ousted without a lot of bloodshed. Yeah. Right? Like it takes a lot of blood to get those types of leaders out from a government. And, and I think you're, you're speaking to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very dangerous. It's extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. Now there are, I, I just, I, I think a lot of people just don't really think about what the possibilities are and, and what they're actually giving their power to, or what they're going into when they say, oh, I, I just want to explore BDSM. I think I, I see a lot of doe-eyed people who are like, oh, I think, you know, think this is to explore their sexuality. And mm-hmm. it makes me very sad because that is not what BDSM is. BDSM is, uh, it's torture of sexuality. It's, it's taking right. over, you know, it's, it's, the word is right there, domination. You know, it's, it's dominating someone's sexuality. Mm-hmm. It becomes very parasitic, quite frankly, the, the DS, you know, the dom submission uh, relationship, it becomes very yeah. parasitic. Uh, and it's also very culty. It's very, you know, BDSM gets very culty because a, a lot of times people start to gravitate towards BDSM and, and they start to see other people in their lives are very concerned. They start to pull away from the healthy people in their lives. They start to pull away from their family members and they start to go deeper and deeper into BDSM and more and more the people they know are just part of that community. I'm not saying that's the case for every single person, but that does happen. And it's very, it's, it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. So it makes it harder for people to leave once they get in, because if you're surrounded by people who are very clever and very well-versed and, and very charismatic and who they themselves still believe, like I used to believe that they might be doing something good, it's a dangerous mix. And it makes it very difficult for people to leave. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just really quickly say like if this is something you're involved in you know for mm-hmm. our listeners and they want to get out or maybe they've done that in the past um and they're feeling shameful guilty mm-hmm. terrible about it mm-hmm. what what is the way out what for you like what were some of the key things that helped you to move out of this space into a healthier space for yourself? Sure. Well, for me, definitely following the thread of self-love. That's been what's been pivotal to all of my healing and to all of my redemption towards myself, because I really had to redeem myself to myself. Because after Mm -hmm. seeing myself in that light, I was horrified. I was horrified of who I had been and who I was being. And I just didn't feel like I was worth anything. I didn't feel like I was worth love. I didn't feel like I was worth my own sense of, you know, embracement. One thing I do want to say, and I think it's really important that, you know, and, and this is why I talk about BDSM this way, that the doms themselves are often victims as well. They're often survivors as well. And so, and, and oftentimes either, either not conscious of it or stuff it down and pretend that didn't, you know, didn't happen. But oftentimes those who are led to be doms have survived some type of abuse in my experience, either sexually or physically or emotionally. So um, the way I speak of it is like, I am an absolute no to BDSM. That is a clear no for me. And I do have compassion for people who 
might still believe that what they're doing is right. Now there, you know, I think from recovery has made a big difference, of course, for me. And, you know, the, you know, 12 step programs are incredible. And one of the things I, I had to recognize in recovery, we talk about our defects, you know, or our defaults. And so what does it look like when that defect or default is transformed? So for me, when I see, you know, people who are trying to get out of it or, you know, feeling really bad about it, the default, uh, the defect is the domination, you know, like my defect was being a dominatrix, but what was that transformed is, you know, without BDSM, you don't have to go into BDSM to gain these skills. I'm just saying, if you've been there and you need to transform it, my experience was the potential for those who are doms and dominatrixes or, you know, dominatrices is the reality of the capacity to lead, the capacity to stand in uh, an experience of power. Again, I'm not acknowledging BDSM. I'm saying to transform it. There is mm-hmm. a big potential for those who leave BDSM to do incredible good because mm-hmm. of the foundations of the defects can turn mm-hmm. into powerful possibility. So I would say don't spend too long self-flagellating for crying out loud. Don't spend seven years like I did. <laughs> um, wish I had known someone to tell me that. Take time be with anything that comes up. Guilt is normal because we're not sociopaths, but don't wallow in it. You know, uh, yeah. do not spend that time in self-flagellation because guess what? You just did that for a long time. So <laughs> let go of the self-flagellation. The price has been paid, the right? The price yeah. has been paid. Yeah. Moving forward, you know, be gentle with yourself, make a difference, bring your voice to this because quite frankly, I think I'm the only one right now. So Come on in. The water's the water's fine. Um, you know, bring your voice, educate people, be kind to people, uh, have compassion for those who are still in it. I mm-hmm. I do my best to do that as well. As long as someone isn't being malicious to me, I I try to just stay compassionate and understanding that people deal with whatever they're dealing with, and there is no real support system to leave BDSM quite just yet. So, uh, you know. Be completely gentle with yourself. If you are a submissive and you're in there, again, the defects and the possibility, like when the defect is transformed, I, I was a submissive as well. So the defect of the submission, this desire to submit to someone else, the, that transformed can be the, the power and the possibility of surrender, but you don't need to surrender to a human being, but rather the higher power of your understanding. And if you're atheist, that can be your fellowship or integrity. So it's, you know, the, I think the key point is to not, is to, is to start to let go of the punishment paradigm, because that's what BDSM is all about. And I, and I say, you know, I don't do BDSM because I love my sexuality and I think it's beautiful and I don't believe it deserves to be punished. So when we're moving out of the paradigm of punishment and into the self-love, because there was no way for me to hold on to self-love and self-punishment at the same time. So I think it's pivotal Again, feel the guilt if it comes up. That's human. We're not sociopaths. However, move into the self-forgiveness and start being gentle with yourself because honestly, you can't do better if you didn't know better. As, as cliche as that is, it's a fact. When we know better, we do better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I'm not a person who, you know, grabs a pitchfork and attacks anyone who's who's in BDSM because I do believe that a lot of those people are survivors as well. And again, my bone to pick is with the uh, BDSM itself. And of course, mm-hmm. anybody who's being malicious and, and who comes at me, I will be very clear. I do not support this period. It's abuse. That's I, I mean, everybody knows where I stand on that. And I keep an open door. If I know someone personally, I, I know I know someone, I know a couple of people who are still in the BDSM world. They know very clearly how I feel about it. I don't come at them and tell them they're a piece of garbage because I, I don't believe in that. I don't believe they're a piece of garbage. I believe their understanding of what they're doing is their understanding. Uh, as mm-hmm. long as no one's trying to harm me and as long as no one's trying to push it on me, that door stays open and those people know that if they need to talk or if they want to leave, they know where I stand, but also take care of yourself. If, you know, 
sometimes you just got to get away altogether. Like if you're in the community and you're trying to get away, then back off, you know, like it's, it's also not necessary, you know, be, be, be careful as well. You know, don't keep open doors that are unhealthy. I don't, I don't have anybody who's unhealthy about it. I've had people who have tried to push BDSM on me and they're not in my life anymore. So, you know, and try to push their language or, or, you know, I, I don't do it. I won't do it. I have very clear boundaries. So if people are respecting that, cool, we can have conversations, not about this, because I'm very clear, I, I there's nothing to uh, debate. <laughs> like it's, it's abuse, that's it. So that's, I'm very clear that that's a conversation. Um, but if you are surrounded by people who are trying to keep you in, then you need to cut all of that out completely and get to a safe place, take care of yourself. Again, only you know your personal journey. Uh, Find a healthy therapist and uh, do your screening work, of course. Find out where they stand on on the issue. If you are a survivor, you know, know, just be careful. Just be careful who you choose as your support system and and trust yourself, definitely. And and trust what you need because my journey is mine, but, you know, you're going to find what is unique for you. You know, I can't say, you know, there's not a really... uh, an absolute clear path on this. Um, but if it's unhealthy, trust that it's unhealthy and find yourself to safety and reach out, reach out to people who you know are allies, who are allies of BDSM abuse survivors. And yeah, just, I, I wish you the best. And I, I hope you find your safety and be gentle with yourself and, and love yourself. Thank you so much. I, the two pieces that stand out, I mean, I could do whole episodes with you on just the last little few minutes that you spoke, but the things that stand out to me, is just that whole self-love piece, right? Yeah. Like, again, I've heard you say before, like, you do not need to harm someone to tell them that you love them. Yep. <clears throat> you know, and even in recovery, right, we don't harm people by um, uh Uh, trying to convince them out, you know, or trying to tell them to do things or trying to attack them for the way that they're living. Like we don't harm people in recovery and just that whole piece of, we don't have to harm people to tell them that we love them and that hurting another person. That's another thing I've heard you say is that hurting another person does not make us whole. Yes. Um, And that we're looking for wholeness. We're looking for wholeness and wellness and that self-love. Yes. And I, so much love um, the way that you talk about transforming these defects that we have. Right. And mm-hmm. there is so much, I 100% believe like there's so much leadership that can be offered mm-hmm. that needs to be offered. Right. Yeah. Um, to, to this space and this community about how we get out yeah. and how we stop hurting each other. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, one more thing on the gaslighting that people often confuse and they say, oh, well, but after the session, they're so kind to me. They're so gentle. They're so nurturing. Mm-hmm. That is not nurturing. That's called grooming. Right. I was, uh, when you were talking about that earlier, what came to mind to me was like, have you heard of Stockholm syndrome? Yes. Yep. And that's, that's what that is, right? It's the combination yep. of kindness and cruelty. Yes. Um, to the point where we don't view the cruelty as abuse anymore. Right. Right. And, and, that's, and that's, that's the, yep. Yep. That's what that is. Yeah. yeah. And that's, that's grooming. A lot of people think it's nurturing. Uh-huh. I'm like, no, no, no. Nurturing does not require you to pay in pain. Nurturing right. does not require you to be humiliated or disregarded or diminished. Nurturing makes you rise up. Nurturing is an open hearted, gentle exchange, not with mm-hmm. a price tag. That's all it is. You don't have to be hurt to be nurtured. So that's not nurturing at all. Yeah. yeah. Crystal, I can't, I can't thank you enough for being willing to come out and uh, share your story um, in our women's stories series, but then also to do this additional episode on BDSM. I so appreciate your willingness and your honesty and sharing your experience and calling it what it is. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for the opportunity to speak on this and, and get this conversation out there so more people can get free. Absolutely. If people want to contact you, how can they do that? 
Uh, they can go to my website and it's, uh, yeah. So we'll link that website in the show notes. I think it's just crystalgarcia.com, right? Crystaldenisegarcia.com. Yes. Okay. And crystals with an K. Yeah. K-R-I. But we'll also, <laughs> yeah, we'll also list it in the show notes so you can awesome. look at it there. Crystaldenisegarcia.com. Yes. You can look at the videos like that I've referenced here about her work and her way out, um, about Crystal's way out and, and get some education about the BDSM abuse and that goes on. And yeah. if you're a survivor, an abuse survivor, we both from the bottom of our hearts just want to tell you how much we love you yes. and how much we want to be there to help and support you and what's going on with your life. And that no matter what you're at or what space you're at, that you're worth recovery. A hundred percent worth that. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so get the help that you need. And if you need additional resources or help, um, then definitely reach out to Crystal or to myself. And we would love to, to help you in the ways that we can. Yes. Thanks again, Crystal, for being here and for sharing your story and your experiences with us. We so appreciate your willingness to talk about this topic in an honest and brave way. For those of you that have been listening, this isn't meant to be shaming. For those of you that have maybe engaged in this space in the past or currently, we're just trying to shed some light and to talk about some of the issues that are concerned that concern this, this BDSM space. Um, please know that wherever your situation is and whatever's going on for you, our intention is that you find some help, some happiness and some healing. And that is, that's what, that's why we're sharing this information today. Please remember that wherever you're at in your journey, wherever, whatever's going on for you, that you are worth recovery, 100% worth it. And if you don't believe that, you can trust me. I know that you can trust me until you get there. Remember that I think about you. I pray for you and I love you until next time. Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.